want to take you back in your minds to back when you were in high school and it was finally time for you to get to drive your car. Now I would start over here with the teens, but it seems like more and more you guys don't even want to drive. So I want to talk to all you guys who did want to drive, who were excited to get behind that steering wheel and have that freedom you had always sought to have. Why don't you take, take yourself back to that time when you were this close to getting that driver's license. You remember how fun it was to think about how you would very soon be able to hit that open road and, and finally have the freedom that you had been desiring for so long. Because in your mind, you, you probably thought to yourself at that time, hey, no more having to ride with my siblings. I had two older brothers. And they had to cart me everywhere, all wherever I needed to go. They had to cart me wherever I needed to go, whatever practice I needed to go to or whatever it might be. And, and they would turn the heat up to as hot as it would go. And I, I couldn't breathe. I'd roll the windows down. But it wasn't my car, so I couldn't roll the windows down even though it was a manual crank on my brother's truck, he wouldn't even let me crank the thing because it wasn't my crank. Maybe you thought to yourself, Mama, don't have to drive me and pick me up from practice anymore. That's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing that my mommy has to pick me up from football practice when I've just been killing people on the field of play and now I've got to get right home with Mommy after practice. Or maybe you thought to yourself, Finally, I no longer have to make sure that, that my schedule and my life fits in with another person's schedule, whether it be uh, my brother or my sister or, or my mother or my dad. I, I don't have to make sure that what I have planned fits in with their schedule because now I, I am able to take myself wherever I need to take myself at the time that I need to take myself to that place. But also remember that before you got to taste that freedom, there was a year of trial. There was a year of persecution. As you got behind that wheel, as you got behind that steering wheel, it's known as, as your permit. You got that permit and you had to endure a year's worth of, whoa, 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 don't hit that, don't hit, whoa. You had to endure endure a year of, of your mom and your dad yelling at you and, and you had to endure a year of backseat drivers, front seat drivers, middle seat drivers, baby seat drivers, everybody in the car seemed like they were yelling at you all the way down the road. And you had to endure that one year of tribulation of, of maybe someone saying something like this, I don't know if this happened to you but it happened to me, I don't care what you've seen me do. You drive the way I tell you. Yeah, that's do as I say, or do as I say, not as I do, right? And maybe you found yourself enduring that incredible trial as a teenager uh, way back in the day. Let me ask you something. How silly would it have been for you to listen to those comments or to listen to those very small way of, of, of trial, persecution, whatever, how silly would it have been for you to say, you know what, 
forget this driving thing. I never want to drive again. Because of, of these comments or, or because of, of this very small, I mean, just minuscule form of trial, because of this, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give up on it altogether. I'm going to depend on mama and daddy to drive me all the way till I get in college. And then when I get in college, I'm going to depend on my buddies to drive me around. And then when I get out of college, I'm going to depend on my wife to drive me around. Or I'm going to depend on whoever else. Maybe I move back in with mommy and daddy and they drive me the rest of my life. I don't know what your plan is. But how silly would it be if you took that approach? If you saw that little bitty bit, I mean just the, just the most comical sense of suffering and said, I give up. I'm done with this whole driving thing. I never want to drive again. It would be silly for you and it would be short-sighted for you to be so close to that glory of that open road and give it up all because of that trial for that short time. Tonight we find ourselves back in Romans chapter 8. And we are in Romans chapter 8. I'm, I'm indebted to Craig and to uh, Kyle and Mingu for ushering us thus far through the book of Romans chapter 8 in our roundtable series already. In the past few weeks, they've been taking different passages out of Romans chapter 8 and breaking them down for us. And tonight, we continue on in that series tonight. They've done such a wonderful job already of, of taking us through that text. And I hope that you have enjoyed those studies. I hope that you'll enjoy the one we're going to have together tonight as we, set to, as we are set to examine Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. Go ahead and turn there if you're not already. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. Before we get into the text tonight, I want to make sure that we understand who we're dealing with here. I want to make sure and, and take some time to talk about who is going to be speaking to us tonight. Who is going to be talking to the Buford Church of Christ tonight. I want to take some time to remind ourselves of who Paul is. Many of us know who Paul is, and many of us are aware of his life from front to back. But before we get into our text tonight, I think it's important for us to take some time and look elsewhere at his epistles and talk about who Paul was. Because I think it's important that we set the stage for the man who will be imparting these inspired words to our congregation tonight. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Mark your Romans 8 passage and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you're going to see Paul defending himself to the church in Corinth. Many people had a lot of questions about this Paul guy and whether he was really all that he was cut up to be. And Paul has to defend himself in his right as an apostle of Jesus Christ and as a Christian. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 22... Paul says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. 
From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. And you read that passage, and perhaps you've read it before, and after about the third or fourth peril, you're just losing sight of what's happening in that text. But I want to take a moment to understand what Paul has just laid out for us. What Paul does here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is give a list of sufferings, of trials, that no one in the history of man could ever say that they matched up against. No one in the history of man could ever say that that they suffered through what he suffered through, simply about the cause of Christ, at least. We know that he was ultimately martyred at the hands of Rome as well. What we see here, and, and before we get into our text tonight, is we need to understand who is talking to us in Romans chapter 8. It's this man right here in 2 Corinthians 11. It's this man, this apostle of Christ, who suffered more persecution and humiliation for the sake of the gospel than perhaps any of us can imagine tonight. Just just, just go with me through the text. He's whipped. Not once, twice, three, four, five times. He was whipped with 40 stripes minus one. Five times this man was whipped by the Jews. It says he was imprisoned for the cause of Christ. He says in deaths often. That must mean that there were people very close to him who died. It says that he was beaten with rods on three separate occasions. Not just three licks, but three separate occasions he was beat with rods. It says he was stoned, which is enough to kill any man. It says he was shipwrecked. He was stranded at sea for a day and a night. Can you imagine being in the deep sea, stranded for a a night and a day, with nothing to help you but to just tread water? He was mugged. He was hunted down by his own people. He was hunted down by those who were outsiders, too. He says, I was in the wilderness. I was endangered by false teachers. I was weary. I was sleepy. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I fasted. I was cold and I was naked. Tonight, to paint the context of our text in Romans chapter 8, we're talking about a man who suffered more for the cause of Christ. More trial and more persecution for the name of Christ than we can possibly imagine tonight. 
And it's no wonder as you look at this text that he would say, that he would say to, to, to begin this text in 2 Corinthians 11, that he had labored more abundantly than all the others. He says that I am more to the cause of Christ than all the rest. And you might come to that text and you might hear him say that and say, wow, Paul, I mean, that's a little bit, that's a little bit prideful. How could you say that about yourself? What kind of Christian would say that, that they have done more and, and been through more than anyone else? How, how dare you, Paul? But Paul said it. You know, a deeper investigation of the Corinthian letters would need to be had to truly understand why he had to do that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But in essence, we could boil it down to this right here. The Corinthians didn't understand who they were dealing with. And I don't want us to be guilty of that same thing tonight as we go to Romans chapter 8. I don't want us to be guilty of not understanding who it is that is talking to us and be guilty of the same thing the Corinthians were in our life tonight. And therefore, I want to back this text up with going to the next chapter. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Beginning in verse 7, Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And what Paul says in this text here is, unless I might be exalted... I was given a thorn in the flesh. A physical hindrance, a physical suffering, an infirmity that was a chronic, it was chronic in nature. And Paul says, I tried to get rid of it. I, I, I went to Jesus, I went to God all the time. Three times I begged with everything that I had that he would take away this thorn in the flesh. And three times the Lord responded back, no. You know, sometimes when we go through the trials of our life, I, I wonder who we think we are when the Lord may say no. Who do I think I am? If I get mad at the Lord for saying no to me when he said no to the man who went through what he went through in 2 Corinthians 11. I haven't been through that. I haven't done for the cause of Christ, what the Apostle Paul did for the cause of Christ, and he told the Apostle Paul, no. Three times he went to God and begged that, that this would be removed from him, and, and the answer was no each time. Remember, this is the Apostle who was chosen to be the vessel to the Gentiles. This is the Apostle who wrote half the New Testament. This is the Apostle who established congregations all throughout the known world and yet he was forced to live with that thorn in the flesh the rest of his life 
And with that context in mind, now we're ready to understand Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. With that context, we're now able to look at this passage and really hear what Paul is saying to us tonight. Last week, just to lead into our text tonight, Kyle did a wonderful lesson about this immeasurable blessing that we have through the Holy Spirit and the fact that we have the ability to be sons and daughters of God through this Holy Spirit. And we saw how because the Spirit of God dwells in us, we get to be called those sons and daughters of God. We saw that we get to be heirs that we get the same inheritance that Christ himself got. We saw that we are the, the, the literal sons and daughters of God when we are in the Holy Spirit. But notice what he says at the end of verse 17. Verse 17, Paul says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed... We suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. And as we get into our text tonight, I understand that this text here impacts our text. Paul says in verse 17, if we're going to inherit the same reward that was set aside for Christ, then we have to suffer the same way Christ did. And here is the promise that the Holy Spirit makes. He says, if we suffer with Christ, then we will be glorified with Christ as well. What does that imply, though? Well, to be glorified, I've got to suffer. Somebody says, who wants to be glorified? Who wants to have the glory of God one day? Hands raise up. Shouting hallelujah on that one. Who wants to suffer? Ooh. Not as many. The Holy Spirit says if we want to be glorified with God, we have to suffer with God. And that brings us to our text tonight in verse 18. First, let's read 18 through 21. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And all you BK520 fans out there, I know you're probably hearing that text in a good old southern country accent. But it's much more than just a BK520 song. I want us to listen to what he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 because... It's not just a song, it's one of the greatest single verses in all the Bible. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 is, is undoubtedly one of the greatest passages in all the Bible. Because it is a reminder, not, not only a reminder, it is the reminder that keeps Christians going throughout their life. 
And I know that it is a text that means a whole lot to anyone in this room tonight who has been through something difficult in their life. To some, this passage is the only thing that keeps keeps them holding on to faith at all. Because it's here that Paul says, all of the trials, all of the tribulations, all of the loss, all of the sickness, the death, the persecution, the pain, the sorrow, the agony, the loneliness, the depression, the injustice, the you fill in the blank, all of that suffering in this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Well, how dare you, Paul? How dare you say and act like you know the suffering that I've gone through? You have no idea how much suffering I've gone through, Paul. You have no idea how much pain and how much loss and how much death and how much sickness and how much depression and how much financial issues and how much... You fill in the blank. You have no idea what I've been through, Paul. You don't know my story. You don't know my pain. You don't know my suffering. You're not me, so how could you say it's worth it? You don't know how much I've been through, Paul. But Paul just looks back and says, five times, I was whipped by the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I was cold and I was naked. I was in perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles. I was in perils in the wilderness. I was in perils in the sea. I spent a night and a day in the deep. I was shipwrecked. I was lonely. I was sleepless. That's when Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh so that All I could think about was that physical reminder of that pain each and every day of my life. And I begged God over and over to take it away. And he wouldn't. Then you tuck your tail in between your legs and understand who you're dealing with. You're dealing with the Apostle Paul. If Paul were here tonight, you know what he would say? Somebody that feels that way? First of all, I I don't think he would minimize your pain in any way, first of all. I don't think he would try to minimize your suffering in any way, but I do think he would just say, if you'll just hold on. If you'll just just hold on for, for just a little bit, If you'll just hold on a little bit longer. If you'll have the willingness to just just hold on just for a little bit longer. You'll be able to see how little that suffering is in the scope of eternity. If you'll just wait, if you'll wait on the Lord. We sang about it earlier. Those that wait on the Lord, He will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. If you'll just wait a little longer, just wait and see what God is about to bless you with. 
Just hold on because this suffering you're dealing with is just a blip on the scope of eternity. This pain that you're experiencing is just for a moment. Isn't that what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. Brethren, the affliction that we bear in our life, the loss, the pain, the suffering, is but for a limited time only. And Paul says it's working in us. It is working in us a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory than the weight of this temporary pain. And all you got to do is hold on. Back to our text in Romans chapter 8. He says that the creation itself eagerly awaits the coming of the Lord. The creation itself eagerly awaits to be restored back to its former intention that God had for it. Because just like we live in a fallen world, the world understands that it has become a fallen world. That it has fallen to this state of futility, it says. It says it eagerly awaits to be delivered from this corruption and into the glorious liberty of the children of God. What language Paul uses here. The power that the Holy Spirit has in this text. But the text continues, verses 22 through 25. Paul says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await for it with perseverance. Paul says, the creation, and by the way, as we are literally outside hearing the creation groan. Wow. By the way, that's the second Sunday in a row that the earth has just lost it right when I'm about to speak. Those at camp, y'all remember last, last Sunday night. I mean, just the storms were, were raging. Sunday yet again, here we are. The, the creation groans, the Bible says. The creation groans and eagerly awaits to be restored back to its greatness of what God had originally intended. But not only does the creation do that, he says, but we ourselves, we ourselves groan within ourselves. You and me groan within ourselves as we eagerly await this adoption. What's the adoption? We've already been adopted as children of God. He's talking about our adoption into our spiritual body. We eagerly await the day that we get to be adopted into this spiritual life instead of this physical turmoil. And that's what he says is the hope that saves us. This hope has saved you, he says. 
It's the hope that one day I'm not going to have arthritis. One day I'm not going to have vision problems. One day I'm not going to have hearing problems. One day I'm not going to have gout. One day I'm not going to have cancer. One day I'm not going to have depression. One day I'm not going to be lonely. One day I'm never going to be sad again. And we groan within ourselves and eagerly await that day, don't we? Where we can receive that adoption into our spiritual body. And not have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. We eagerly await because of that hope. Somebody says, well, I'm tired of hoping. I'm tired of hoping. I want it right now. And Paul says, well, then that's not hope. You can't hope for things you've already seen. You hope for that, that, that which you haven't seen. You hope for that which you don't have yet. And realize this, if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. He says, don't stop hoping. Because if you stop hoping, then you forget the next life that is ahead of us. Because it's that hope, it's that hope that there is something after this. That gets us through this. In this life we live in today. And in fact the only reason. That we can eagerly wait for the next life with perseverance. Like he talks about. Is because of that hope. And what we cannot see yet. Tonight. I don't know what you're dealing with. I know what some of you are dealing with. But I don't know what all of you are dealing with. I don't know what kind of pain or suffering you struggle with tonight. I don't know what keeps you up at night. I don't know what kind of pain, what kind of agony that rages in your soul. But I can promise you a few things. The Holy Spirit promises you a few things in Romans 8 tonight. First of all, it's the fact that God does know your pain. I don't. The person sitting with you might not, but God does. God does know your story. God does know the level of suffering that you have dealt with your entire life. God knows. Second of all, the Holy Spirit promises you That God has done everything in his infinite power to give you life eternal. A life where all of that pain and all of that suffering is completely erased. Proving once and for all that it was just a light momentary affliction. And that it was working in you a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. Number three. 
God has made their arrangements so that you can have that life. God has made the arrangements so that you can have that life with him. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 is another text that we should go to perhaps every day of our life. Paul says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Man. Paul says, whatever unspeakable pain that you have in your life tonight, it is nothing compared to the unfathomable glory that is reserved for your life tomorrow. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the heart has not even imagined anything remotely close to the greatness that God has prepared for you in heaven. And that is why the Holy Spirit says, our suffering today is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, tonight, each of us have a choice. Each one of us have a choice to either allow our suffering to drive us further away from God. We have the choice to allow our suffering to drive us further and further away from God. Or, we can allow our sufferings to drive us closer and closer to the mighty hand of God. And you've seen the results in your life. When you've allowed your suffering to just allow you to become bitter to the point that you hate everybody. I hate the church. I hate the minister. I hate the elders. I hate everybody in my life. How's that working out for you? Is it easy to sleep? Do you wake up each morning just depressed, frustrated, annoyed? How's that working out for you? And we've seen it also every time in our life that we allow those sufferings and we allow those trials and we allow those tribulations to push us closer to God. It makes us wake up each day knowing why we are doing this. Why we are going through this suffering. Because eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God is doing in our life. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 at the end of it, after he lists all the sufferings, all the persecutions, all the trials, all the different things he went through, what does he say at the end? But above all those things, apart from all of those things, what matters to me is my concern for the church. What does he say in 2 Corinthians 11? Go back. Oh, sorry, that was 2 Corinthians 11. Now go to 2 Corinthians 12. After he talks about his thorn in the flesh, what does he say at the end of that? He says, he takes pleasure in his infirmities. 
He takes pleasure in, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress. Why? Because he's doing it for the Christ's sake. For the sake of Christ. Imagine. You got this close. To the glory of heaven. And you gave up on it because of what you were going through tonight. Your pain and your suffering tonight kept you from eternal glory. Imagine missing out on heaven because of something in the grand scheme of things meant nothing when in comparison to eternity. Tonight, glory is reserved for those who suffer. So if you're suffering, guess what? Make sure it's suffering in Christ and with Christ. Because imagine going through all that suffering and it, and it leading to nothing. That's the suffering of the world. Tonight, are you suffering in a Christ-like way? Is your suffering leading you towards something? Or is all of this for nothing? Whatever type of suffering you are experiencing tonight, Come talk to us about it as together we stand and sing for your encouragement.